Aaron saw Randell grin as the caravan came through the gate. He'd spent ten days preparing for that moment, and he could hardly wait to watch the trick unfold. The traveler's cloaks were brown with dust, and their boots caked with mud. They looked weary from uh, ten days on the road, or was it months? Aaron, who never in his life ventured more than two days, walked from Weevil with vague on matters of geography. No matter the important thing was that the way wayfarers had spent the journey watching for bandits, orcs, and all the other perils infesting the border kingdoms. Finally, swinging wide around Weevil itself, a notorious nest of robbers and slavers in its own right. Having finally reached the period, Dine, a walled compound on the southern edge of town that was supposedly the city's only safe inn and marketplace, they were starting to relax. It was natural, inevitable, and he could see it in their faces, clad in a beggar's rags, vile-looking sores made of tallow and, and paint, mottling his legs. Aaron sat on the ground near one of the one of the horse troughs. From there, he could survey the entire bustling courtyard, and every member of the crew could see him. He turned towards the end and nodded, slouching and scratching. Caridi came through the door, and a moment later, she was a big, brownie woman but pleasant of face and possessed of a merry, generous nature. Aaron thoroughly enjoyed the occasional nights he spent in her bed. Beholding her there, though, few would have envied him the experience. The brown slain in her teeth and layers of padding around her middle made her uglier than nature intended, but it was primarily her ferocious scrawl that transformed her into the very image of a, sh a shrewish wife. She cast about until she seemingly spotted Gavath sitting at one of the outdoor tables and scrawling but no, the scrawny little man had mustered the art of looking like an ass, the better to cheat, swindle, and lift the purses of the unwary, and he exercised that peculiar knack to the utmost of the job at hand. His, his garish straw stuffed doubly, proclaimed him a would-be fop devoid of any vestige of taste.
pomade plastered strands of black hair across his crown in a ridiculously in a ridiculously inadequate attempt to hide his bald patch. Gems of paste and glass twinkled in his fingers, smirking. He was chatting up a pretty flaxen-haired serving maid, young enough to be his daughter. She was no doubt enduring the clumsy flirtation for the sake of a generous tip. The bath had paid the last a great deal of attention over the course of the past few days, much to his, his supposed spouse's displeasure. pleasure. The two of them making sure that everyone staying or working at the Pierre noticed. Thus, few but the newly arrived travelers were particularly starting, startled when Carradine started screaming in, in, in victim and abuse. Most of the folk in the courtyard merely grinned and settled back to watch the next scene of the opening domestic farce. Carradine advanced on Gavin, who quelled the goggled in dread. The serving maid scurried for safe safety. Gabith attempted to stammer out some sort of excuse, or perhaps simply a plea for mercy. Carity lashed him with the back of her hand, a meaty smack, and knocked him off his, his bench. She kicked him until... until... He rolled away and scrambled to his feet. Then, still shrieking, swinging widely, she chased him about. Everyone began to laugh, and though the scene truly was comical, that wasn't the entire reason. Dal, who was loitering near the well, munching on a pear, deserved some of the credit. Clad in a simple brown laborer's smock and breeches, his nose and cheek rubbing with broken veins, the old test pot didn't look like most people most people's notion of a wizard. But when sober, he was a halfway decent able enough to use his magic to influence the emotions of the crowd. Caridi connected with another solid buffet, or so it appeared. Gavith hurtled backwards and crashed through the side of of the pen containing the inn's population of goats, whose flesh and milk served to feed the patrons. At the same instance, Dahl 
his timing impeccable, surreptitiously cast a spell to alarm the animals, bleeding. They bolted from the enclosure and raced madly about, bumping into people and tables, frightening the horses and ponies, reducing the entire courtyard to chaos and confusion, except for those unfortunates who were knocked off their feet, drenched in spilled beer, struggling to control fractious mounts, or stumbling to catch the escapees. Everyone laughed even harder. Aaron glanced around. No one was looking at him, so he pulled a small pewter vial from inside his shirt and quaffed the bitter, lukewarm contents. It was the last swallow of the potion, He, and he rather regretted the final expedition of the resource that had extra extricated him from several tight spots, but Kesh Turnskull was paying him enough to make, make using the drought worthwhile. Sorceress powder tingled through his veins. He could still see his lower body as clearly as before. But from past experience, he trusted that he truly had become invisible to the eyes of others. Dodging the scurrying goats, he rose and, he rose and stalked towards the caravan. Kask had told him who to look for, and he spotted her easily enough. He was, no, she was a female scout or guide, slender, long-legged, sun-bronzed, clad in leather armor, dyed forest green. A broadsword hung at her hip, and she had a bow and quiver of arrows strapped to her saddle. Even with her curly chestnut hair cropped short, she was uh, comely in a stern sort of way. She was smiling at the commotion in the court or in the yard, but not laughing outright and didn't look as if she'd entirely relaxed her vigilance. Well, that was alright. Aaron was confident she wasn't as able a guard as he was a thief. He'd been surprised when Kesh hired him for that particular job. He'd thought that Tanarup still disliked him and his refusal to join the Red Axes. But really, it made perfect sense. The outlaw chieftain knew that no one in his own crude gang of cutthroats possessed the fitness to snatch a prize from within the confines of the pharadine. Suppressing an idiot impulse to kiss her or tweak her nose, 
hand crept by the ranger. Her head didn't turn, reassuring proof that she didn't hear or otherwise sense him. He examined the baggage lashed to her sorrel mare. She had a couple scuff, scuffed the old saddlebags, but only one that had the distinct shape of it looked to contain a box like the one he was seeking. He started to unbuckle the flap and everything went wrong. The saddlebag shrieked like a thousand uh, tea kettles sounding at once. Green light pulsed around Aaron's limbs, outlining him. You know, he was sure the radiance was plainly visible to others as well, that he was a phantom no longer. The guide spun around and started to draw her sword. One disadvantage of such a long blade was that it took a moment to clear the, the scabbard. Like many folk in Weeble, Aaron was a knife fighter and could have used that second to throw one of his hidden daggers of fine arthen still. But he didn't. Though adept with a knife, he had little taste for bloodshed. It was one reason he always committed as his uh, thieves by dent or trickery, and perhaps it was why he tore the screeching saddlebag free and risked a desperate lunge forward. He reached the woman in green in bare, no, a bare instance before she would have readied the broadsword. He punched at her jaw. The impact stabbed pain through his knuckles, but he, he, but he fell backward, but, but she fell backwards. He kicked her in the head in hopes of keeping her down. Action world, no, Aaron whirled the sprint and sprinted for the open gate. Spears leveled two of the Paradine's own guards. No, Spears leveled two of the Paradine's own guards scrambled to block his path. Another stationed atop the wall walked with its mer Merlin's cock a crossbow. Dal's enchantment had dis disposed the warriors to mirth, but only within limits of deafening screams of the saddlebag sufficed to recall them to their duty. Aaron cast frantically about another way out, even though he knew none existed within easy reach. He wasn't supposed to need one. If the theft had gone as planned, he and his dice as a humble beggar 
would have limped out of the front entrance before anyone realized aught that no aught was amiss. The crossbowman pulled the trigger. Aaron twisted aside, and the whirl just missed him. Half a dozen of the rangers followed wayfarers glided towards him, tanning out a tanning out to flank him as they came. Then two of them swayed and uh, crumpled to the ground. Aaron surmised that Dull had surprisingly thrown a spell of slumber. But why had the magic only affected the pair of them? Apparently they were seasoned warriors, strong in spirit, or else they carried a talisman of protection. Either way, it was discouraging. Aaron still had nowhere to run. He gave ground, trying to keep the skittish goats, horses, and pack mules all thoroughly spooked by the coning saddlebags between himself and the pursuers. Meanwhile, he prayed for more magical assistance, a brilliant plan, or something that could extricate him from his fix. And he snatched a long, heavy, single-edged arthen fang uh, from its sheath. His prize finally stopped screaming. And no, his prize finally stopped screaming, though his ears still rang from the clamor it had raised. The green light died too, but it didn't matter. Fighting even if, no, fighting e even if it was just a punch and a kick had ended his invisibility. That was the way the cursed potion worked. Why only, no, why only mages know? An instant later, he discerned that he, he'd run out of animals to interpose between his pursuers and himself, which meant it no longer mattered that he didn't like slicing and stabbing people. There was nothing to do but crouch and await the assault. He took a deep, slow breath to steady himself. Some of the Pierre's servants and patrons shouted encouragement to his foes. The outlander in the lead swung his sword in a vicious head cut. Aaron twisted aside and sprang forward in a single motion, bringing himself so far inside his opponent's reach that the long blade ceased to be a threat. The range, however, was exactly right for a knife, and he sent the travelers reeling backwards with a slashing belt. With a slashed belt.
that was one man out of the fight, but Aaron had to keep moving, spinning, dodging, or if he faltered, or even a heartbeat, one of the other three would kill him for certain. Most likely they would they would anyway, but at least he'd make them work for it. Glimpsing movements at the corner of his vision, he provided a snapped no. He pro, he, pro, he provoked and snapped the knife across his torso in a literal parry. Fortunately, the Artham fang was heavy enough to brush aside even the thrust of the spear, but for all its virtue, it couldn't block out two attacks at the same time. And when he saw a brushy bearded, guarded with guard in scale armor, hacking at him, he felt a surge of terror. Remarkably, remarkably though, the stroke wobbled and flew wide, and the warrior collapsed. Karidi had buried a falchion in his back. Gavith came running up behind her, and his own fighting knife in hand. Aaron was pleasantly surprised at their recklessness in Dell's teeth. Come to that, though, the latter was still doing his level best to make sure no one noticed he was the one casting spells, relying on magic that didn't burn any sort of trail in the air. Up until that point, no one had known they were Aaron's accomplices. They would have allowed him to fight and die alone, and, and had a good chance of stealing away unhindered. But evident, evidently they were too fond of him to abandon him, or else they would have they were hungry enough for the payment Cash had promised that they were willing to take the considerable risk to get it. Either way, Aaron was grateful for their aid. The spearman started to pull his lance back from, well, for another jab. Aaron cut him across his face. He kicked, he kicked him in the knee, bone crushed, and the guard fell. Aaron whirled to, to fight alongside his partners. Armed men rushed in at them. Too many, but then three of them staggered and tripped as those sick or blind victims of Dahl's wizardry. Aaron, Corriddy, and Gabbeth stood fast against the foes who did reach them still flashed and rang. The thieves hurled the next wave of guards back, and for an instant Aaron dared to hope that somehow they might all escape. Then across the country, uh, courtyard, 
The willowy stout dragged herself to her feet. She lifted her fingers to her lips and gave a piercing whistle. And even though it was wide no even though it was wide eyed with terror, the surreal mare heeded the call. The steed trotted to her and she snatched her her you you bow from the saddle. Aaron was sure that meant trouble, but another guard lunged at him, and that kept him from even trying to do anything about it. As he and his opponents shifted and uh, fainted, he saw the ranger whip an arrow from her quiver and stumble. Dog, bless him, had evidently assaulted her with a spell. Unfortunately, she didn't fall down, shaking off the effect of the magic. She caught her balance and pivoted in the wizard's direction. Despite his effort at stealth, she'd discovered he was the source of the unseen attacks that kept hindering his ally, her allies. Dal babbled and slashed his uh, hands through a mystic pattern, not caring who saw anymore, just trying to throw the next spell quickly. Even so, he was too slow. The woman in green mocked her arrow, pulled the gray goose feather fletching to her ear and let fly. The shaft slammed into Dahl's chest. He blinked, no, he blinked as if puzzled, and his knees buckled, dumping him down to the, in the dirt. Aaron felt shocked, astonished. He'd seen plenty of men die violent deaths, indeed. Weeble yielded such a steady crop of slaughtered corpses that the faceless master ruler of the city employed the freakish Narbonne's home drearage to drive the dead cart through the streets every morning and collect them. But that was all. Perhaps sensing Aaron's, Aaron's horror, his current opponent cut viciously at his flank. Fortunately, the thief's reflexes sufficed to twitch back out of range. Then, before the swordsman could swing his weapon back into position for another chop, Aaron sprang in the step in and stabbed him. The warrior fell. Aaron's Aaron peered around. More guards were charging towards the outlaws or rushing out of the Paradigm's market to see what the fuss was about. The ranger strode through the milling through the milling horses and goats, plainly seeking a clear shot at the remaining thieves. The gash biscuited Gav Gavith's bald spot and blood 
stained his face in ridiculous puffed doublet. Aaron realized he and his comrades had no hope of escape, not without Dahl's magic to aid them or the or a clever idea or a clever idea presenting itself in the next couple of heartbeats. He cast about once more and finally it came to him. The sandstone walls enclosing the compound were high but not impregnable. But not impregnable. Impregnable. Citadel high, only about 20 feet. Assuming a man could make it to the top, he might have a chance of surviving a jump. Come on, he shouted. He and his partners fell back, defending themselves as they retreated. They reached the patch of cool of cool shadow of the foot of the wall, flung their current assailments back, and Aaron led them, scrambling up a flight of stairs. Abbott was in the middle, and Carity brought up the rear. Unfortunately, their frantic ascent gave all the bowmen clear shots at them. Surrender, the guide, the, the guide shouted. Had she been talking to some other scoundrel, Aaron might have laughed, perhaps since she was an outsider. <laughs> she truly believed that a man in his situation might improve his circumstances by giving up, but he knew the sort of unpleasant pleasantness awaiting any prisoner who tried to commit a robbery in Pierre, in, in Pierre, particularly if he'd carved up a guard or two in the process. A quick demise was much to be preferred. Crossbows checked almost, bef checked almost before she finished speaking. It was hard to dodge on the narrow steps, but Aaron flung himself down the luck as, and luck was with him. No shaft touched him, though they smashed into the stone work around him. Oh, sheltering shadow, shadows of mask, Gabbeth whimpered. Aaron looked back. The small man had a quarrel, and one of the scout's gray, fledgling arrows protruding from his torso. His throat rattled, and he stumbled motionlessly. Keep moving, Karidi snapped. She reared up as if she didn't realize she had a crossbow bolt sticking in her tube. Then swayed, fell over backwards, and tumbled down the stairs, knocking into the pursuers who'd started up after her. Aaron squinted on. Aaron squinted on. 
There was nothing else to do. For the next few seconds, he had little to fear from the crossbow. No, the crossbowmen who just discharged their weapons. It took them some time to cock and load. The scouts, however, was a different matter. She was already pulling back her bow. He wondered. He, he wondered how how many arrows she could lose before he made it up the wall, wall walk. Too many, he suspected, for him to dodge them all. Given her manifest competence, he wondered if he could even evade the next one. Her bow jumped, straightening itself, but the arrow didn't streak at him. It simply dropped at her feet. For an instant, he didn't re understand. Then he realized the string had broken. He dashed on fast as he, he'd ever moved in his life. A swordsman met him at the top of the steps. He dodged the fellow's blade, then slashed him across the wrist. The guard dropped the weapon. His eyes and mouth gaped open wide. Aaron pulled him out of the way. He glanced back. The ranger already had her bow restrung and another arrow drawn back. He dived over the, the crenellations and the ground rushed up at him. He told himself to roll, but he smashed down so hard that afterwards he wasn't sure if he'd actually done done it or not. Time skipped and he was sprawled on his back. He heaved himself to his feet. Evidently, the desperate leap hadn't broken any bones. He hurt all over, but that didn't matter any more than the fatigue impl implicit in his pounding heart and the gasping lungs. He had to, to run before someone took another shot at him from the ramparts, or other foes came streaming out of the gate. He dashed north towards the heart of the city with his leaning ramshackle towers with its leaning ramshackle towers seeking to lose himself in the maze of twisted alleyways eventually he found a thin unmarked flight of stairs at the end of a narrow cul-de-sac and after descending into the earth permitted himself to hunker down utterly spent and rest his eyes stung and his and he knuckled them angrily bow in hand guiding the sorrel mare with her knee her knees M marie Bachman forced her way down the congested lane until it became clear that the thief had, undis 
had outdistanced her. Could she track him? Could she, could she track him then? Through a forest or across a moor, almost certainly. But in the city, creaking carts draw, drawn by oxen and mules rolled up and down the avenues to erase whatever signs her quarry might have left might have might have left. Pettis Trions milled pointlessly about the uh, pointlessly about to complete the obliteration and moreover some of the wider thoroughfares were cobbled. She cursed under her breath. She wasn't fond of cities in general with her with their crowds, dirt and stink and crumbling weevil seemed a particularly obnoxious one. By the hornblade she thought the spires looked as if they might collapse at any second. Every other person on the street seemed either to stink furtively or to affect a bravo's strut and sneer. Indeed, every, th every third passerby was a pig-faced, olive-skinned orc or some sort of goblin kin. She would have had no trouble believing the town was as fond a nest of villains as rumor maintained, even if she hadn't suffered an overt demon demonstrate a, an overt demonstration of its lawlessness. She willed the mare and centered back to Pere Aden, where someone had already found a couple healers to tend to the injured warriors. It didn't look as if the outlaws had actually killed more than a couple of her warriors. She supposed that was good though. In her present humor, she was half inclined to cut down a few of them herself. Stupid incompetence. She took a deep breath and let it out slowly, controlling the anger, or at least redirecting it towards the proper target. She had no business scorning the mercenaries for failing to protect the treasure. Ultimately, it had been her responsibility, and mattingly, her failure. Just a few scant minutes before, she might have de de devastated herself of her charge. Hosta Jim Longstride hobbled up to her with a faltering gait that bellied his surname. Not seeing any blood on the burly azure cloaked mercenary, Marie 
surmised that one of the thieves had uh, scored on him with a shrewd kick to the knee, a stamp to the foot, or some or some such.